0: morning church today's scripture reading is from first thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 now concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you are not in darkness brothers for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Thank you, Tommy. How are we doing this morning, church? I'm all right, I'm all right. Okay. I'm a little hoarse, last night we were at a soccer game the crew took down Atlanta pretty handily. And it's just loud, just, you know, even having a conversation. So, I'm not even a crew fan, and I I'll, lost I'll, I'll my voice a little bit. Heaven or holiness? Heaven or holiness? Has the church made a habit of prioritizing each of these like it should? We've been... Uh, 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 We've been working uh, through a study in the New Testament as we're comparing these responsibilities that Christians have to really care about holy living, but also to really care about our home in heaven with God. These are two responsibilities that are hard, uh, hard to juggle, as we've, as we've seen. And, and, and the question that we've been asking is, is the end goal, the hope that we have for our home in heaven, is our end goal, hope, leading us for holy living in our lives right now? Is where we want to go then changing what we're doing in our lives today? There is going to come, as, as we've seen, there is coming. But it's not just the destination that matters, right? It's also also the journey. God cares about our life in, in the journey. But as we've seen, there are problems that arise if we aren't able to appropriately weigh these these two responsibilities, because if, if Christian living is all holiness, if all that matters is that is that you do the right you do the right things as a child of God, well then we can fall into traps of egoism, where we end up excluding other people if we don't agree on on every line item, like we talked about in 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 our class on Wednesday night uh, uh, in. Uh, in that discussion and our efforts to do the right do the right things so to speak can actually lead to division but our holy living should lead us to unity with with one another as we said in our class on Wednesday but also the opposite is true too if holiness is all heaven or sorry if our Christian living is all heaven all that matters is you get to the right place one day well then we might treat our relationship with God like a checkbox and, and the things that I'm doing in this life are, are just checking off the list so that I get the end goal that I want in this life and that sounds a lot like idol worship you execute these formulas to get the end goal that you want. And if Christian living is just getting to the right destination, striving for the right destination, well then we won't have communal compassion with one another, with God's people. We won't have mercy, true mercy among one another. And we won't share joy with one another. And we certainly won't won't want to weep with one another if here Is just about heading there. There is going to come if you belong to Jesus, but there does not have to start then. I want to say that again. There is going to come if you belong to Jesus, but there does not have to start then. In fact, as we've been seeing in the New Testament, your eternal communion with God starts when you are baptized and the presence of the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. Your eternal communion with God starts today. This week, we're going to look forward to then, look forward to, to what's to come, and what the New Testament has to say, uh, what heaven is going to be like, and then we will imagine, if you can put on your creative hats this morning, we will, we will imagine how we can take that glory, that unity, that relationship, and share that with one another in our lives right now as the people of God. What do we see in the New Testament that tells us about heaven? In just a moment, we'll start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if, if you want to join me there. While you're turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, or if you're scrolling or flipping, um, I, I want to qu- quickly remind us what I shared last week. Probably one of the most pervasive in the life of Jesus, maybe even in, in the entire Old Testament, is the importance of the kingdom of heaven, the importance of the kingdom of God, preparing for the kingdom, what it looks like when Jesus is on the throne, when Jesus reigns, what now? The kingdom of heaven is a driving force in the message of Jesus. But the New Testament has a couple of different ways that it talks about this kingdom, that it talks about what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. And last week I shared uh, uh, three different eras, uh, eras that I see as the phases of the kingdom as as they come. Again, these are n- n- not clear distinctions. There's a lot of overlap in uh, in the work of the kingdom, there's a lot of overlap in the way that the kingdom is is uh, uh, in the process of coming into being. Um, that's because the kingdom is really one large redemptive work that, as we saw at the end of Matthew, God has been working on since the foundations of of creation. So um, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, I do think it's helpful as we try to encourage encourage one another about where we are in the redemptive timeline. Um, it, uh, we can find encouragement in understanding uh, some of the different ways that the New Testament uh, talks about uh, uh, talks about the kingdom. The first the first era was the heir kingdom. This is when Jesus. Comes on Earth, Jesus on Earth. You start to see what happens when the kingdom of God starts to clash with what is here on this Earth, and you see this inbreaking of of uh, of Jesus's glory, touching uh, touching broken places, and you see miracles happen. You see what happens when God's kingdom is is close, when God's kingdom is coming near. The second era was the frontier kingdom, and that's where you and I are. um, uh, on on the timeline, following the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is left as a helper to God's people, as a as the presence of God among his uh, among his church, and you see that active and working in the life of uh, of the apostles in in the early church, and during that frontier kingdom, you start to see what happens when the presence of God explodes, and it isn't just. Uh, the uh, good things of the presence of God aren't just happening where Jesus is, but they're happening wherever the apostles are going and wherever the church is going into these new frontiers. And we can see that happening in our lives right now in the different frontiers that we're going, we can take the presence of God with us. And the third and final era, what we are anticipating, what we're looking forward to, this is the premier kingdom. What we're looking forward to the second coming of Christ, when Jesus said he will, he will uh, 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 after he's ascended, he will return. And the renewal that he began when he came to this earth as a baby, and the renewal that he continued by giving the Holy Spirit to his people, that renewal is going to be completed in full, and will have a type of heaven on earth the premier kingdom, when, the, when his redemptive work is, is complete. We can be encouraged, because Jesus' return that's coming, what's, what we are anticipating, the premier kingdom, Jesus' return, informs our lives right now. The things that we're looking forward to have meaning on how you see the world today. And this morning, that's what we'll be thinking about, how, how this Final era, this this season that we're anticipating, where we will be able to 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 cherish the anointing as the people of God. How can that that's coming one day inform our lives right right now? With that in mind, let's see what Paul has to say in First uh, Thessalonians chapter five. Um, really quickly, last week we were in chapter uh, chapter or um, and the church and. Esala Ica is really concerned with these eternal outcomes. The church is really concerned with, have the brothers and sisters who have passed on, did they miss it? Did they miss the coming of Christ? Who, who's in? Who, who's who's going to get in into the kingdom? When's it going to come? Is it going to come in my lifetime? Is it going to come in the lifetime of my kids or my grandkids? They're really concerned about eternity. And Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed about what's to come, but also, you really need to care about your life right now. That's the gist. You can go back and read chapter 4 later. Um, but this leads us into chapter 5. Our scripture reading this morning came from these opening verses in the chapter. You are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, he tells them. Well, as, as I'm sure you're aware, this is a quotation of, uh, uh, of Jesus. Paul's continuing to remind these Christians, it is not on you to determine when this last era of the kingdom is going to come. It's not on you to, to wonder, am, am I going to miss it? Am I going to be ready when it comes? As people of God, as Paul's going to share, we have other things that we need to be worrying about other than the, uh, when the day of the Lord is going to come. Um, uh, uh, it, it also says you are n- 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 not in, uh, in the darkness. Uh, if, if, uh, if you are the people of God, the, the coming of the day of the Lord will not surprise you like a thief in the night. You won't be surprised because of your relationship with Jesus when the next era does come. When the things of this world pass away, it will not be a surprise to us. Because we n- n- know fully that the things of this world are just that the things of, of this world. And he ends, let us not sleep. Let us keep awake. Let us wake up and be sober. People who do not recognize, who are ignorant to, who, who are uninformed about, about the kingdom, Christians and non-Christians alike, people who do not understand where we are in relation to eternity, like we've been talking about these past few weeks. If we don't understand where we are in relation to Jesus coming back, then we will have no eternal urgency. We won't have an urgency to do good things in our life right now. That's why he concludes this this opening section of chapter five, Keep Awake. And, and be sober and we talked about the eras of the kingdom the air kingdom when Jesus was here the frontier kingdom which is the church era the holy spirit era and the, and the premier kingdom that's to come we've been in the premier or sorry we've been in the frontier kingdom for some time right a number of generations spent here in the frontier kingdom We've been saying for a long time that Jesus is going to come back, right? I'm sure the Christians that Paul was writing to were wondering the same thing several thousand years ago. And my worry for the church is that the seemingly slow unveiling of the kingdom is lulling Christians lulling Christians to sleep. And I think Paul has the same concern, too. I think that's why he concludes this letter. He has several chapters about heaven, several chapters about uh, uh, being concerned with the end times, several chapters about here's what we're looking forward to. He concludes this letter about heaven with instructions for holiness, for instructions for what you should be doing right now. Instead of hypothesizing on the day of the Lord, when it will come, the understanding, the seasons, and the times, Paul reminds these Christians, as we're about to read, that your identity as God's people, your belonging to the day, your belonging to eternity with God in your life right now, it instructs your living right now. These Things that we, these things that we are reading in the Bible, the things that we talk about in our classes and in our uh, in our uh, sermons and our s- m- m- all groups, these aren't instructions for what you're going to do one day when you get to heaven. These are instructions for being God's people when you walk out the door today. Our hope in heaven tomorrow means that it's time to wake up today. It's time to wake up, and this is what Paul is really trying to impress on these. On these Christians, and I hope that we're not being lulled to sleep by how long-suffering our God is for His people. Paul continues, since we are not concerned with when what happens next, and our identity as people who belong to the day instructs how we're supposed to live right now. He uh, uh, he continues, uh, starting uh, uh, in verse twelve. Um, I don't have time to hit all of these, and so I just want to highlight a few. I'll actually start at the end of verse uh, 13. Be at peace among yourself, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you do not quench the spirit Remember this is an instruction of what Christians are to do after several chapters of talking about heaven several chapters of wondering about what are we supposed to do when heaven comes and Paul says Let me tell you, let me answer that question by telling you what you're supposed to do right now. Our holy identity that we've been talking about all year, as God's set apart, our holy identity means being a people of peace, being a people who create peace in the communities around us. Our holy identity with a heaven mindset, an eternal mindset that we are on a course to be with God means that we are alert and we are patient with the people around us who are hurting. We are alert to the people in our life who are idling out, who are are weary. Our holy identity, our eternal mindset that Jesus is leading us to be in communion with God forever, just like we already are right now. That holy identity means that we are prayerful and giving thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances means all circumstances. And it's certainly easier to give thanks and be prayerful in seasons where things are good. We, as uh, Scott mentioned earlier, we are certainly a a blessed nation, and we are certainly a, a blessed community. But it's harder to be thankful in all circumstances when this world is challenging and we feel pain. But with an eternal mindset, that's how we find peace, to be prayerful and thankful in those hard seasons. And I love this last instruction with this eternal mindset. Do not quench the spirit. We're in the frontier kingdom. That's where we are right now, the church era, the Holy Spirit era. The Spirit is trying to do good things in us and through us. God is trying to do good things in and through you. And it's not just for you. It's not just so that you can have good things in this life, but it's so that you can do good things for the people around you by the Spirit. But if we won't wake up, if we don't have urgency for where we are in eternity, if we don't have urgency to give people Jesus who need to know Jesus, then those good things won't happen. Well, they will happen, but we just won't be a part of it. And like the virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom, who we saw at the end of Matthew, the ones who are urgently preparing for his coming, the ones that are urgently urgently awake and ready for Jesus to come, well, they'll be there when Jesus comes. And the ones who are asleep, the ones who are walking through life, quenching the Spirit, not allowing the eternal focus to shift where we are in life right now. Well, when when Jesus comes, the door will be closed. We need to wake up. Eternity sounds far away, but I really hope we've impressed in this series that eternity is today. And while it is not on us, while it is n- not on the people of God to worry about the times and the seasons and to guess when heaven will come, it is up to us to gaze up, to look to what's coming next and to wonder what it will be like and to wonder what it will be like to be in communion with God and to in the spaces around us to try to grasp that as much as possible, There are a number of different great images in the New Testament about what heaven will look like, what it will be like. Um, some of these are images and uh, 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 some of these are a little more explicit. But there are a lot of great places in the New Testament that really stirs up the imagination of the church about what it's going to be like one day when all things are made new. And I, I, I want to share a few of them. And as, as, I, as I read these, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole verses, but as, as I read these, I, I want us all to be thinking, how can I have that right now? How can I do that in my life today? So these are just a few of the, any images of, of heaven in, in the New Testament. In John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, we read that heaven is like a mansion that has been prepared for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23, we read that heaven is like a grand worship of angels gathering around Mount Zion to lift glory to the one who sits on the throne. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 14, we read that heaven is like seeing Jesus as a commander of great angel armies sitting upon white horses and chariots. In Revelation 21, verse 21, we read that heaven is like walking to a gate of pearls and walking on streets that are paved with with gold. In Revelation 22, uh, chapter 22, verse 2, and chapter 2, verse 7, we read that in heaven we will have access to the tree of eternal life. These are just a couple images in the New Testament that I think are, are really wonderful about what heaven will be like. We can have some of that now. In heaven, we will have in full what we have right now, only in part. In heaven, we will have mansions that have been prepared for us since the foundations of time. There is an elaborate preparation that is being made for you to be in community with God. Are we elaborately preparing for our communion with God, for our communion with one another? In heaven, we have this grand worship with angels, where they are these these great uh, heavenly beings; these heavenly bodies are coming to worship Jesus, Lord. In Hebrews twelve twenty two, but it's a worship that is for Jesus. It's not for the angels. Are we coming to worship together to give our hearts to Jesus? Or are we wanting something out of it for ourselves? In heaven, we have this image of Jesus as a, as a commander of angel armies. And these same heavenly entities, heavenly beings are at Jesus' every answer and call and request? Are, are our lives overwhelmingly invested in our relationship, in our commitment with Jesus? In heaven, we have this image of walking, on, walking into the gate made of a pearl, and on streets of, of gold in heaven, we have access in this great, wonderful, marvelous place to the tree of life. Is our presence in our, our worlds, in our frontiers, is that sustaining the people around you? Is that life-giving to the people around you? Or are you draining on the people around you? The good things that we will have one day in heaven that are far greater than the words in the Bible can describe. Those heavenly ideals are, should be a part of the church community right now. We should be trying to make our communion, our gathering, our fellowship with one another as close as we can imagine to grasping on and holding tight to those images here in our life. We've talked a lot about heaven and and holiness over the past, I guess, four weeks. When we read about heaven and what's to come, it's important to encourage one another in these things, to remind each other about how great it's going to be. But if it doesn't instill in us urgency to do those things to the people around us, to show great care for the people around us, then are we, are we really waiting for it? Because I think waiting for heaven is something the church should be doing actively and not passively. Actively waiting for heaven. Now there are certainly heavenly things that Jesus is preparing that we can't possibly hope to come close to. But isn't it worth trying to worship, to worship together like we're seated around, around the throne of Jesus whenever we gather? Isn't it worth trying to elaborately prepare for the way that you interact with God on a daily basis. And not just hope that you stumble upon some time to go to God in prayer, and not just hope that you stumble upon some time to open open Scripture, but to really make preparation for it, to be in God's presence, to be with your brothers and sisters. When we talk about heaven as, as a church, I hope it doesn't mean that we look around at the world and say, man, that's going to be great, but this is rough. (laughs) That's going to be great, but this is just terrible. I can't wait for this to be gone. That might be a reaction. But we should be talking about heaven. And because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that's at work within us, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, we should be talking about heaven and asking, how can I share that with you? How can I give that to other people? How can I give communion with God to the people in my life by how I'm treating them, by how I'm speaking, by how I'm working, by how I'm managing my home? Next week, uh, Robin is going going to conclude this study on heaven and holiness by considering the confidence that we have as God's people, the confidence that we have for heaven, the confidence that we have for holiness to sprint unchained towards eternity. We can be confident in what comes next, and I'm looking forward to hearing Robin's message next week. But as we conclude this morning, I want to bring us back one more time to First Thessalonians chapter 5, the end of the chapter, starting in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. At the end of this letter to the church in Thessalonica, where Paul has been addressing these themes of heaven and holiness. He really brings them both into view. And his prayer for the church and a a prayer for all Christians for all times is that we we will be kept blameless until our, our Lord comes home. Our Lord calls us home. And we can have confidence, as we'll see next week, that he can do it. If you are the people of God then eternity starts today. Holy living, sharing, enjoying, participating in community with God starts right now. If you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, if you do n- n- if you have not accepted the gift of Jesus dying on the cross, so that you don't have to bear the weight of your sins and you can be in communion with your creator, how you were created to be, you need to give your life to Jesus. And if that's something that you need to do, we would love to study with you and we would love to help you be baptized and receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can start living for heaven today. If you are a Christian, and maybe, just as you reflect back on in the way that you've lived, it looks like someone who's all in a sleep. You need the prayers of the church. You need to wake up. And if you need to confess a sin that's lulled you to sleep, if you need to confess something, um, if, if, if the weight of this world has been dragging you down, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ to lift your name up to Jesus. And we would love to do that. It is time to wake up, church. Do not let the enemy lull you to sleep for how long it might seem that the kingdom is, is taking to unfold. The enemy's lie right now is a lot similar to his, to his first lie, when he said, God told you if you eat of the tree you will not surely die one minor change it seems like he's whispering right now jesus told you that he would come back but i'm i'm telling you that he's not coming back at least not today don't fall victim to that lie it is time to be urgent in holiness it is time to be urgent for the church to strain our eyes towards heaven. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he's coming back. If you have any need this morning, won't you come right now as we stand and sing?